Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Welcome to the C4SO podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and today we continue our series on Melodies of Hope, Hymns from Advent and Christmastide. We have enlisted for this series worship leaders and songwriters and thinkers from around C4SO and beyond to tell us about a favorite Advent or Christmas hymn and to give us a fresh take on our familiar canon of carols that we sing this time of year. And our guest today is Zach Hicks, who has been pastoring and leading worship for over two decades in churches all across the United States. He is the author of The Worship Pastor and the forthcoming book, Worship by Faith Alone, uh, which comes out late 2022. Uh, Zach is also a songwriter and producer, and you can find his music on streaming services everywhere, including under a, a new moniker called Advent Birmingham. Did I get that right, Zach? Yeah, it's it's relatively new. started about okay. 2018. Okay, very good. Advent Birmingham or Zach Hicks. Well, Zach, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like for us to know about you before we dive in? Uh, no, not really. Just that I've been, well, maybe that I've uh, served in kind of Anglican and Presbyterian traditions for all my okay. adult life. And okay. I sort of come at, at it from a, come at things from a Reformation Anglican perspective is, okay. is the kinds of churches that I've served. Very good. All right. Well, it's helpful to know. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into our song for today, our hymn. What hymn did you select and why is it one of your favorites? I selected O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And uh, honestly, so for the Advent and Christmas season, it has to be, in my opinion, hands down, the best hymn. I'm sure everybody's saying that, but the only song that could come close to its rival is probably Hark the Herald Angels Sing by Mm -hmm. Wesley. And if you don't agree with me, I'm not sure you're a real Christian and actually love Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So there's something about this hymn that kind of checks all the boxes for me. I can think Mm. of uh, seven things worth saying about it. Number one, it's gospel-centered. Number two, it captures the essence of the Bible as it sweeps across the scriptures in a Christ-centered fashion. Number three, it's got a beautiful and accessible melody that seems for its antiquity pretty timeless. Uh, Number four, the tune perfectly fits the text because I think it both aches Mm. and it hopes just like Mm. Advent should and just like lamenting Christians should. Mm. Number five, it's an ancient hymn. And uh, it's always wonderful to connect ourselves to our roots, especially in this postmodern rootless day and age. Number six, it always gives the Christmas season a gravity that kind of cuts through the superficiality of Santa Claus and shopping and consumerism and sentimentalism. Mm. And then seven, it's particular insights into comforting our ailments are shockingly relevant. And I'll probably get to that toward the end. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that is, you've come, you've come ready to defend your claim that this is what Yeah, is. definitely. I mean, all those, uh, yeah, all those reasons. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's incredible. If you were not a fan of O Come, O Come Emmanuel before this, um, you should be now. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Zach. I think um, several years, you know, we're, we're planting a church here in uh, Indianapolis and several years during Advent, I think we sang this hymn every Sunday 
of Advent. Like, oh, so um, good. We, we, you know, either just pick a verse, you know, while yes. maybe a family lights a candle on the Advent uh, wreath or something like that, or, um, or we just sing it outright. We just say like, we're, this is just, this is our Advent hymn for the year. So. Yeah. And you're um, not the only church that does that practice of splitting up the verses. And there's, I don't know if people realize, but there's a cool historical reason why that's oh. a, a kind of neat practice, but we'll get to that yeah. too. Okay. Well, let's, let's dive into that. What should we know about this hymn's historical context? Yeah. So as Anglicans, something important to uh, our history is the Oxford and Tractarian movement. Um, mm-hmm. And this hymn is situated in that whole story. And for me, as someone who's kind of a Reformation-oriented Anglican, as I tipped my hat in the beginning, I have mixed feelings about the Oxford and Tractarian <laughs> movement because it did sure. bring back a lot of things and really um, push against, push hard against some of the things that the Reformation gave to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I absolutely love, in fact, the principal thing, the thing that I rejoice about the Oxford and Tractarian movement is the recovery of ancient hymns and the recovery of lost stuff. Um, Mm. And a lot of this stuff was, I'd say, inadvertently lost, not because the Reformation wanted to shove it under the rug, but uh, especially as someone who's a Cranmer scholar and who studied some of that Reformation stuff in an an effort to try to, uh, from their perspective, clean up some of the messes. I think some of the things they had to do away with included aspects of the prayer book where all these hymns were contained and reiterated. And so we lost those hymns. And then along comes um, scholars and thinkers and poets and priests who, in this zealous time of recovery of pre-Reformation church stuff, uh, wanted to f- refine these things in the ancient breviaries and stuff like that. And one of those scholars was uh, John Mason Neal, who is the man of the hour for Okomoko Emmanuel. He's uh, mm. 1818 to 1866. The guy is Cambridge educated. He made himself a master of post-classic Latin. And he was even at one time preparing a history of medieval Latin poets. So this guy was into medieval Latin um, hmm. poems and history. And his studies yeah. took him to the European continent to study old manuscripts where he rediscovered a kind of a treasury of forgotten ancient hymns. And uh, in the 1850s and 60s, towards the end of his life, is when he really started publishing uh, these translations of old Latin hymns and included in that is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, wow. That's really cool. What um, what should we, I guess maybe, uh, I'm, I, I keep coming back to what you said earlier about um, splitting up the verses uh, and things like that. So maybe we're going get to get to that here in this next question. But um, what should we know about the hymns, musical or poetic structure? Yeah, here it is. Okay. Um, the first thing we should probably know is the text first appears right smack dab in the middle of the 19th century. In 1851, okay. Neil publishes a collection called uh, The Hymnal Noted, or Hymnal Noted. And this hymn first appears translated into English entitled Draw Nigh, Draw Nigh, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And then Neil revised it over the next decade. And in 1861, in a collection called Hymns Ancient and Modern, very familiar to Anglican church musicians. Um, it's appeared mostly in the form that many of us know today. Okay. So the origins are um, 
from what are called in ancient liturgies the O antiphons, or the seven great O's, probably mm -hmm. ninth, ninth century in origin. And these were used, uh, these antiphons were verses that began with the Latin word O, just like our English word O, and then referring to some feature of God or some name of God, like O wisdom and O Lord, O root, O key. Mm -hmm. Um, there were seven of these verses that were used in the seven days preceding Christmas from about December 17th through December 23rd. And one verse would be used one day, uh, and then they'd, they'd be used in successive days leading up to Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, the verses, all those seven verses got altered. Sometimes the scholars differ, but it's like mm -hmm. either 12th, 13th, or 18th centuries. Two of the verses were discarded around that time. Mm -hmm. Then those verses were reordered and a refrain was added. And this is all in Latin. Okay. And so when Neil comes along, he finds these five verses and this chorus or refrain and translates it into English. And so he writes the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel that we know today. And then half a century later, a guy named Henry Sloan Coffin seeks to connect it back with the O antiphons when they oh. discover that, oh, these have ancient roots in these historic prayers hmm. uh, in the Vesper service. And yeah. so he adds two more verses, the verses that we know as, O come thou wisdom from on high and O come desire of nations bind. Hmm. So it has a kind of complicated history of how it got to us. But yeah. interestingly enough, when we sing this hymn, we're singing one of the most ancient um, ancient prayers that we have on record with hmm. the church. And it's kind yeah. of cool that we slowly pulled it back and slowly kind of gave it its original form and even resituated its context such that some churches like yours end up singing uh, a verse a week kind of in anticipation toward Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really fitting way to honor its history and legacy and even maybe its initial purpose in what it was doing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I, I became familiar. I can't remember when, but those the O antiphons, um, like reading reading one each evening, kind of leading up to uh, leading up to Christmas as just part of uh, evening prayer. Yeah, uh, has become part of my personal practice and um, been really meaningful as well. Totally, I should say too. I've only spoken about the history of the text, but the the tune is also historic as well, even though it's not necessarily tied to the O antiphons. Okay. What Neil wanted to do in the translation, which I thought was really cool and faithful, was when he translated like the meter of the English, mm -hmm. he wanted it to map onto the meter of the Latin. And this was so that you could impose the English text into ancient uh, chant tunes. And so oh, yeah. uh, the tune that we sing is called Veni Emmanuel. Uh, and it's a kind of composite of plain song phrases taking, taken from settings of the Kyrie. So he looked at old Kyrie tunes, or I don't know if Neil, Neil did this or someone else this. I'm a little fuzzy on who actually grabbed the music and, and connected it. But mm -hmm. um, they, they tethered the kind of phrases of the Kyrie to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That, that's why it has that kind of chant sound and minor key feel um, mm -hmm. that just feels like, gosh, this feels old when I sing it, but yeah, something yeah, I yeah. can grab onto. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that is part of part of the hymns. Um, uh, I don't know the enchant the enchantment uh, of this hymn is is that it does the melody is definitely like it feels 
it's like, oh, that's not like a modern pop melody for right, sure, or, right. or even like an even like a Reformation hymn melody. You know, right. it, it sounds very different to our ears melodically, and it does sound a lot more like you know. I mean, what comes to mind is like Gregorian chant. That's right. You know, some of those albums that sometimes people have uh, have heard. So, yeah, music speak is uh, it's got melismas in it, which is like these oh. extended movements of notes o- yeah. over a single syllable. You know, so that's yeah. why it feels chanty. Yeah. Emmanuel. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, this is uh, all super fascinating, Zach. I feel like you're giving us a uh, a master class here. Awesome. Um, yeah. This is wonderful. Um, final question is: What word of good news does this hymn speak to us uh, today? Yeah, um, I love this question because I'm a fan of the good news, and I think <laughs> if I can put it in plain speak, I'd say, "O come, O come, Emmanuel," uh, tells us that God sees our tears that he cares about them, that he sent Jesus to deal with them, and that we can have every hope that Jesus will return to finish the job, to right all the wrongs and bring full and final justice and to make all things new. And I also think if we're listening carefully, it has something to say to our very real and modern problems, the kind of stuff I was talking about right in the beginning. And this is what I meant when I said the the hymn is kind of shockingly relevant. In our day and age, we often speak about the restlessness of culture, our own sense of instability and misery that comes from lacking a true home. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a verse that says, O come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. In our day and age, we talk a lot about loneliness. And then we've got this verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. In our day and age, we talk a lot about our enslavement to addictions. And then we hear this verse, O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory or the grave. And in my own ministry to folks with severe addictions, they talk about it as hell. They talk about it as death. They talk about it as kind of just being shackled to the grave. Mm-hmm. And in our day and age, we talk a lot about depression and anxiety. And this verse says, O come thou day spring from on high and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. And whenever I minister to or experience my own waves of depression, uh, the, the principal metaphor is always clouds and mm. always a kind of a hovering fog. And it's just crazy how this ancient hymn, well-translated, artistically done, pastorally done, kind of speaks to all these real things that keep on cropping up in, in our podcasts, yeah. in our conversations, and in our ministries. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, it, it, I know it makes me want to uh, listen to it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, which we're going to do on this podcast here in just a moment. Um but this has been really helpful, really, uh, really good. I feel like you um, you gave us a little history lesson there, kind of a master class, and then you preached a little sermon. So yeah, praise God. Really, really, really appreciate it. It was a very edifying time uh, to be together. Mm. Um, really appreciate you joining us, Zach. Thank you. How uh, how can people connect with you and find your music online? Yeah, probably connecting me through social media. I'm probably most quote active. On mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram, Instagram is at Zach Hicks Calm, and then okay. Facebook is just search my name Zach 
Z-A-C-H-I-C-K-S. I do have a website that has had no new blog posts for a few years, but still <laughs> is kept up to date with how to connect with me. So ZachHicks.com. Okay. ZachHicks.com, or they can look up Advent Birmingham on their streaming services. Yeah. That's, that's also a project that you're uh, behind, yeah? Yeah. I, I was... Uh, I'm no longer at that church anymore, but it's still kind of the okay. latest stuff of the music that I've done that super okay. proud of and grateful for the community of artists on those projects. Okay. Well, awesome, Zach. It was great to be with you today. I appreciate Thank you. the time that you spent with us. Yep. Listeners, I hope you enjoy this recording of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.